Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Masterpiece Mer Mysteries, a She-Ra and the Princesses of Power companion podcast. I am one of your hosts, Nero. And I'm the other host, Jane. And today we will be talking about the excellent mystery, uh, Mer, Mer Mysteries. Yes, that is the title of the episode. Yes. A, uh, a, a wonderful episode, really. It's great. It is a very fun uh, mid-season episode that ends on, on quite a <laughs> an anvil drop. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, this this episode's great. Everyone has a lot of fun with it, I think. Like, all, all the actors have a great time. It's just a fun, it's a fun romp, I think. Uh, it's also got a lot of drama in it, uh, as, as one might expect. That's right, of course. You know, it's a mystery, so you gotta have a lot of parlor scenes, a lot of characters at each other's throats. I mean, that's that's just classics of the genre. Yeah, in fact, we start out with a shot of, of like, Glimmer dramatically in front of the fireplace, Seahawk leaning on the chaise, just like, the tension in the air. And, uh, yeah, this, and it's also, of course, raining and storming outside, it's a dark and stormy night. Indeed it is. It is, uh, it's just the perfect environment for this sort of thing. And we start out with an understanding that apparently everyone just went to drill to try and take it back, and it went really poorly. And everyone's trying to figure out, like, well, what could have possibly gone wrong? We had a great plan, we had some fancy new gadgets, we had basically the whole team together. How could this have failed? And Mermista finally says the thing that no one else has been willing to admit. She says, I think there's a spy in Bright Moon. And you know, this perfectly fits for Mermista's character, I think. Because she is she is consistently the, the most sort of cynical one of, of the group. Oh yeah, yeah, no. She is definitely like the person who's probably going to be the first to, to like actually cotton on to the fact that there is... Uh, a problem and uh of course the other half of it is she's just so excited to get to do this like she she has been she's been practicing at home for making sure the lightning strikes when she says dramatic things she's like she has wanted to do her own mer mystery for ever yeah so yeah as we learn in this episode uh, the continuing the trend in season four of giving supporting characters big roles in episodes. We learn a lot about Mermista here. Chief among those facts. Uh, she's a huge fan of like a long running undersea mystery series called Mer Mysteries. Yes, she's a big fan of the whodunit genre and uh, she's read them all. She's got opinions about them too. But uh, but she's she's using that knowledge. She's putting it to the test. She's decided that they are going to do a uh, an investigation into finding out exactly who this spy might be. Now, of course, the issue with this is that not everybody is a hundred percent on board with the concept. Yeah, a few people think that there's no spy. Everyone has different ideas about who the spy could be. Adora is pretty convinced that Shadow Weaver is the spy, which is sound. You know, to be fair, she does have Shadow Spies, and it's in the name. Uh, Glimmer, on the other hand, is basically annoyed with the whole thing. She's like, there's not a spy. Like, caring about this is stupid. We should be worrying about just trying to, like, outflank them or whatever. And 
yeah, it's everybody's got very conflicting opinions on what they should actually be doing here. Yeah. So the weird thing about this episode is that aside from one central crux, not a lot actually happens in terms of, you know, character arcs and drama being advanced. So what we'll do, we'll we'll start off early here and we'll just kind of go through all of the fun bits of the kind of mystery uh, well, it's not really, it, it, it's not a mystery. It's more of an exercise in dramatic irony because we all know who the spy is, but the characters don't. Um, but then we can get into the real meat of the episode, which is uh, Glimmer and Adora's sort of growing conflict. Exactly, exactly. Honestly, like, it's the construction of the, like, the mystery itself is kind of interesting because, of course, we, the audience, already know, like, what the outcome of this is. We already know that, like, this is the episode where DT gets caught. Like, everyone walking into this knows that. But why and how, we don't know. So that's that's sort of really the mystery and more mysteries for us, which is, uh, it's an interesting way to sort of construct that kind of a whodunit situation, I think. It gives you a lot of, like, room to kind of, like, it, it's a mystery without, su- like, multiple suspects. It's like, you know who did it ahead of time, but you have this, like, interesting way to kind of force pressure on like all of these other characters to kind of try to um try to try to force them into into situations they aren't comfortable with which is uh which is fun yeah and so basically we just kind of go through um the the first bit of this episode with uh mermista and perfuma doing a good cop bad cop routine just kind of interrogating everyone who was at the mission, starting with the the sort of head bright moon guard who is named who was named off uh, screen as Juliet after the show, um, and we kind of get these sort of sort of Rashomon style flashbacks, but none of them are actually different except for uh, Seahawks, which is considerably different than the others. Um, but we kind of start getting the clues about people being out of place and, you know, obviously Double Trouble running around and, and throwing everything into chaos. Yes. And and chaos, it sure becomes because uh, this this whole this whole situation is just a pile of kindling for them, isn't it? Yep. It's a big problem. Uh, Bo is convinced he is the spy and has some kind of Manchurian candidate alter ego. <laughs> He's really going through it in this one. No one will convince him otherwise. He is fully convinced. It's a pretty good bit. He's... Um, Frosta is constantly yelling at him about how he's not the spy. <laughs> it's really good. Like, it's not even just like, it's like layered, right? Like, he's like, okay, I must have dropped my my, my pad and, and, and by and accidentally cause this but maybe what if even if i didn't do it on accident what if i did it on purpose what if i like a manchurian candidate or, or what if what if there what if there's like a clone of me and it's like this whole <laughs> he's got like 12 different ideas for what he could have done he is not he is not built for working under espionage situations he is not built for these kinds of uh, this kind of pressure um, we cut outside to Glimmer and Adora talking to Shadow Weaver. Um, Glimmer is endlessly annoyed that Adora even thinks Shadow Weaver is the spy. Um, and Shadow Weaver assures them 
that she could not have have uh, been the spy because she didn't even know about their mission to drill. Yes, and also that time she had an alibi because she was performing a ritual, a dark and mysterious ritual that morning. Uh, a, a sprig of a sprig of echinacea, some ginger roots. What could it possibly be? It's it's tea. It's delicious tea. Um, Adora is not buying it, but you know, Glimmer. You know, the the all of the things like you know. Uh, Shadow Weaver walking around Brightmoon without guards and all of this. Glimmer is kind of trying to explain to Adora that well, I kind of, I kind of let her uh, do that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. a it's a whole situation. Obviously, Adora is not wild about any of this. Um, at no, all. but we'll we'll get we'll we'll dig a little bit deeper into uh, into Adora's feelings on this in a little bit because uh, boy howdy. Uh, she's a little bit miffed, um, but in the meantime, while that's going on, um, Seahawk is happening. Seahawk was not even technically on the suspect list. You know, Mermista said everyone is a suspect except him, um, and he tells the story in a (laughs) different manner. (laughs) Yes. Um, Different is a good way to, uh, to put it. So we see it's a, like a noir tinge, like deep shadows kind of style. He's chewing on a lollipop. You know, we we got cuts. He sees he sees Mermista standing in the moonlight, which Mermista is quick to remind him uh, the mission took place uh, that morning. So there was no moonlight. It's he defeated 50, 50 men on his own, punched them all out. Yes, actually it was a hundred men. Actually it was hundred and fifty men. Actually it was three hundred men. Would anyone like to see him do some squats? Yeah, would anyone like to see him do some squats? No, they wouldn't. Also, Mermista is quick to remind him it was one guy and it was not a very good punch. This is great because we already saw, like, he says, you know, he punched a bunch of guys and carried Mermista to safety. In Juliet's flashback, we already saw that he was the one being carried. Yeah, yeah. It's, we it's, already know. We already know. It's okay, Seahawk. We understand. We, we get it's, it. It's fine, Seahawk. <sighs> um, he's... So he gets... He gets pushed out of the room. He looks like he's driving an invisible car, which is very funny. <laughs> he's um, so sad about it. He's like, oh, I bet, I bet Adora Glimmer wouldn't push their suspect out into the hall. Is this where we get the cavalcade of cameos? We're just they're they're questioning everybody. Yeah, they just start they just start throwing throwing darts at the wall. They pull out the uh, the like drill like chefs like the swift wind is there. Twice. Twice. We got a mace. Um, there's Spinarella and Natasa in what appears to be, like, formal attire. I don't know what function they interrupted them during their own wedding. Oh, yeah, okay. Actually, can you can you, can you you pull up that image real quick? Because I'm pretty sure I remember exactly what, what the deal with that is. Yes, let me, let me, let me get it real quick. Um, high swift wind. Oh, yeah, Pose, like, you have to arrest me, my evil alter ego will ruin everything. <laughs> <laughs> he could do it again, we'd never know when he could strike. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. This bit is so, so funny, because they literally, my, my understanding of the scene is literally they were interrupted in the middle of their wedding to come to this situation. Like, they are, they, <laughs> Natasha has the bouquet! That bouquet is the lesbian flag colors also. Oh uh, yeah, it's really, really good. 
yeah, she's got the bouquet, the 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 f like violinist and like a waiter Violator. from the reception is here. Yeah, they. <laughs> They, yeah, it just seems like they pulled them away from, they weren't even there. They weren't even there. They, that morning, they were having a, they were having their wedding. This is like, they got pulled away at the reception to come to Bright Moon and deal with this situation. They can't teleport. They can't teleport. They had to walk here. Yeah, they, they, they cannot teleport. Um, we've also got that himbo from the Perfuma episode, the surfer guy. Like everyone is kind of coming back for this one. Just all of the the incidental side characters get get a little cameo in here. Uh and as everyone is just chattering um in the background and Perfuma is demanding that uh Mermista lend her lend her a book, one of the books so she can figure the mystery out. Yeah, she's like, "Listen, if you just let me see the book, then uh then I I can figure out who did it." But um yeah, it's it's very it's really good. It's 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 a great it's a great little scene. But now we're getting to the point of the episode where we have to talk about Adora and Glimmer because this is where uh the the sort of hairline fractures in the uh in the glass sheet here um they're just they're just popping and crackling everywhere. It's spidering out in all directions the, the structural integrity of their friendship is just just really going downhill here yeah already adora is extremely irritated with how often she is deployed as a decoy she is already very much not a fan of shadow weaver's role and how she is kind of teaching glimmer like the, these differences are really beginning you know it's like it's like when you you pour water uh in between a crack and you freeze it they the, the cracks start to widen the water expands that's what's happening here there there are there are multiple fractures all in you know increasing this gulf between them as we watch yes and uh, a big part of that here in this episode especially but it, it this is really just bringing to a head um, a lot of the the core problems uh, that are going on between the two of them here because you have Glimmer who ha at this point Glimmer feels like she can't trust her friends to the same level that she can like trust Shadow Weaver um, and she also believes that she's the only one willing to get anything done and you know you have you have Adora on the other hand who is really really not happy with the fact that Shadow Weaver is like just being welcomed and accepted into Glimmer's inner circle here, um, and she's getting pushed out, and she's she feels like she's not like even remotely being considered part part the the best friend squad is not really holding together here and it's it's not going great for for adora right now and uh double trouble is more than willing to capitalize on that yeah there's a few there's a few key scenes between adora and glimmer here the first one is obviously where they are uh they're, they're like interrogated they have a flutterina there they're gonna ask her some questions right um and glimmer is just he, she just thinks the whole thing is stupid like why would this child be the spy what a, what a preposterous thing to to propose yeah how could it possibly be a five-year-old 
And that is where that is. I I feel like every time you say fluttering his age, it's a different number, and they keep <laughs> getting smaller. <laughs> They're shrinking as we speak. Um, this is where Double Trouble is is more than willing to just kind of you know prickle at at them and and uh, all of their insecurities about this stuff, especially Glimmer. Oh yeah, no, like immediately they're just like, oh, you know, everyone seems so on edge. Maybe you should look into that Shadow Weaver lady. You know, she seems really suspicious, and that's that's really all Adora needed to go off. Yeah, they just kind of go at each other for a bit. Um, the second kind of key scene is when after everyone is like bickering. Uh, before the the comms table is destroyed glimmer kind of goes into her room to you know brood and stare out the window dramatically as one does and adora comes in to kind of have a very frank talk with her and she says some interesting words um some interesting word choices in this conversation yeah so so yeah glimmer kind of has like it's kind of it's kind of like a like a batman scene a little bit even like sort of a christopher nolan's batman moment where it's like the dark and stormy night outside rain she like dramatically pulls her her staff out of hammer space and kind of clinks it onto the 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 hard floor and just stares out the window like she's gonna go off into the night and then do some sort of some sort of hero activities and doors adora comes in and she's like listen like I, I understand, but you can't just, like, what are you even going to do? Are you just going to teleport into the Fright Zone? Are you just going to go in there without backup and try and solve all the problems by yourself? And Glimmer's like, you know, someone has to do something. She's she's tired of waiting around. She's tired of, of sitting around waiting for stuff to happen. And all Adora really can say to convince her is she just, she ask her you know please stay stay that word carries a lot of gravity in this show and specifically with adora and another character yeah a lot of gravitas in that one that's got some that's a loaded phrase there yeah it is a pretty clear parallel uh but you know we we'll we'll, we'll see it more about how that unfolds later um, but yeah, the, the Glimmer is clearly, like, tired of having to react to everything. She wants to be proactive. She wants to take the fight to the Horde to f- blow up the Fright Zone, to melt all of their tanks into a big slag ball. Yeah, she she really just wants to get it done. And, you know, bearing in mind, she's pretty tough, but she overestimates her abilities. And this is, of course... I think partially Shadow Weaver's fault here. Like Shadow Weaver is, you know, she's got her hooks in right now. She's she's really trying to make Glimmer feel like she's the most powerful person in Bright Moon, uh, because you know that amount of confidence, you know, it gives her a lot of leverage. She can kind of use that to push her in a direction to make her like more susceptible to her manipulation. Uh, which I'm sure is going to work out really well for everyone involved. Yep. <laughs> so then we have the second parlor scene after the communications table has been destroyed, um, where everyone is just accusing each other. The jacuses are flying all over the place. Bo is pointing his square at his own head. He is jacuzing himself, of course. Um, but then everyone. Ca- oh yeah, this is where Seahawk like breaks down into tears mid squat. <laughs> Um, admitting yeah. that everything he said was a lie. 
mid-squat, he just gets so sad and collapses onto the coffee table, sobbing that he didn't actually single-handedly explode 300 soldiers. Hermes is just like, see, see, oh, we, we knew that, it's okay. It's like, we know. <laughs> we know. No one ever believed We were that. there. <laughs> we were there, it's okay, bro. But everyone kind of stops, because Adora and Glimmer have sort of become the centerpiece of the conversation. They kind of have a row about it. Uh, oh, though, before that, though, there's a really, really funny bit where Seahawk is breaking down, the whole room is erupting into chaos, Double Trouble... <laughs> Double Trouble's face is so good. <laughs> just staring at Seahawk. Just... Staring into space and Seahawk and other people, just... Their mouth is just a straight line. Their eyes are... It, it's its really funny. They're just like, um... Okay. All right. Bo has, like, an Evangelion, like, face <laughs> yeah, for a minute. Like an End of Eva uh, <laughs> shot of Shinji. <laughs> like a fisheye lens forehead. moment. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. But then, yeah, then we get Adora and Glimmer, uh, you know yelling at each other here yeah and so so the thing is this whole this whole bit the whole thing that's happening right now it's the setup it's the trap you know like in a second you know Flutterina's gonna hop over to the to the you know quote-unquote backup communicator or whatever that they don't have and try and sabotage that but in the meantime this fight which presumably is supposed to be them playing this up for the spy and you know they 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 do talk about how like oh you know we were we were acting and there's like a little bit um like where it shows after fluttering left the room you know like adora and and glimmer kind of like smile at each other or whatever the thing the thing is though this is a little real yeah adora is well known as being a terrible liar they say it multiple times yeah. like and the thing about it is She'd probably be pretty good at acting if it was coming from a well of truth. And as it turns out, uh, this one is. So, like, like the, the things that are said here, like, Glimmer in particular, like, really goes at it. Like, like Adora, I doesn't even really dig in that much, but Glimmer really goes for the throat. Like, oh, you're just mad you're not Shadow Weaver's favorite anymore? Like... Stop whining about being used as a decoy. Like, she means that, I think, when she's saying it. And my god, it's rough. Yeah, it's vicious. She's got, like, a this smile on her face. This, like, humorless, spiteful smile. Yeah, like, this is, this is like, an excuse for her to, like, get some stuff off her chest um without like being held accountable for it a little bit and like and she and she's like oh you're you're just questioning my authority you just all oh, it's all you want to do and adora's just like no you're just you just want to be a part of your decisions what are you talking about like glimmer's got some got some issues here that she is like really th this is almost like hey you know what catch her parallel last episode where she catch her kind of has like that that moment where she just sort of spills her guts a little bit too much this is a little bit like that it is the scene where she she kind of starts really you know says too much and kind of starts projecting onto hordak a little bit yeah 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 this but you know 
Before they can unpack all that, they have a spy to unmask. They do. So, you know, they catch Flutterina red-handed, trap them in the, uh, you know, ceiling ward that they have pre-prepared, and Double Trouble finally reveals himself as the spy. Yes, though not before, like, showing off a little bit and, like, changing into, like, every single person in the room just to prove how cool they are. Course, you have to impress your audience. Naturally, naturally. It's all about the spectacle, darling. The prestige. The prestige. So DT is like, yeah, okay, so yes, I was I was frosted, but I was also perfuma. Don't shortchange me on the credits. And and uh, you know, they're they're just kinda like, oh, you caught me. They they're they're not really that miffed about it if anything they're actually really impressed by like the acting chops that adora and glimmer have like they they don't oh yeah they they make sure to say like wow that acting was really good maybe it was coming from you know a, a place of truth it was really authentic yeah and honestly like that line i think is like that's not even them being manipulative because like i feel like that could come off like it is i think they just are like oh yeah how did you really do that you know like was that coming from a place of truth? Like, how how did you sort of get into character like that? I think they were really just trying to take some acting notes. Yeah. Um, this is also where they, they do the eyeball lick thing that, that lizards do sometimes. The classic. Um, and they say, oh, well, I mean, you know, I, I, the Horde has been planning a huge attack for a really long time. And this whole, this whole, all this shenanigans with Drill and, and trying to unmask the spy, it was all a diversion. Uh, they are going to invade Selenius. And Glimmer says, okay, well, that's fine. We can stop them. And then DC's like, well, slight problem. Turns out that uh, this whole thing was going on while they destroyed Selenius. It is already done. They did it like nine hours ago. I love that trope of the, I've al- I already did the thing. I already did my plan. Yeah, it's it's great. It is like... It's like a simultaneous, like, you are shown the Chekhov's gun on the wall, and in the same frame, somebody rips it off the wall and fires it. Yeah, like, you, you walk into, you, two characters walk into scene, a gun is shown on the wall. They have, like, two lines of dialogue, and then one, one like, a third person just, like, comes in and shoots them. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, it, and yeah, so, uh, obviously, Mermista is fairly uh, torn up about this. They teleport over to Selenius, and it is completely destroyed because hordak has a mega man arm cannon now (laughs) yeah so the whole thing with him trying to build this like super amazing mega weapon to like destroy everything it's just a buster cannon this dude this dude's shooting lemons it's a it's it's got a lot of firepower but it is just a mega man arm cannon um (laughs) he's had it in the intro for the whole season but now we finally see what it is and what it does and what it does is uh swiss cheese the seagate and uh blow up everything in sight yeah he kind of just goes on a bit of a rampage and selenius is basically raised to the ground like not even like like glimmer has a line right where she's like we're gonna retake selenius and it's like there's nothing left to retake the city is gone it's like it's like the flames are smoldering the buildings are crumbled the the like all the docks are in the ocean like like there's nothing left for people to go back to 
Yeah, and the Horde now has complete control of the seas, um, which is bad. Yeah. Considering how much water is on Etheria. Yeah, no, it is. It is in fact a water world, and if you if you control the seas, that's kind of a big deal. So yeah, this is a this is a really low point for the rebellion. Yeah, Selenius is one of their key strongholds. Um, the Seagate is like one of their biggest defenses other than the Whispering Woods, and it has been completely dismantled. Glimmer is, re- she vows to like never let this happen again. They're going to retake it. They're going to destroy the Horde. Um, and we, we, we see Hordak and Catra in their moment of triumph. And then we get a glimpse, a reminder that no matter... You know, how much smoke is pouring into the skies of Selenius right now? There's something worse on the horizon. Yes, uh, Horde Prime gets his, like, End of Avengers T. Hanos uh, cameo, sort of turns to the camera in his big, goofy armchair and smiles. Yeah, so just remember, Horde Prime is out there and he's a coming. The man is on his way. Uh, we'll we'll see we'll see how that pans out when he gets here. Um, one quick thing I really 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 wanted to talk about actually that um, we kind of glossed over real quick is during the actual uh, discussion where um, Adora is accusing Shadow Weaver of being the spy. Right, that specific scene is like like Shadow Weaver starts like making fun of adora and glimmer's like giggling and playing along with it like she thinks it's really funny and and this is like this is the start of like like this and then like not being shadow weaver's favorite anymore like that stuff like is really like the start of this trend where she's just like she's really not very very sensitive about the whole this is your abuser thing it's yeah she, she shadow weaver locked her in an electric cage and like zapped her a bunch she like shut down her powers for a good period she seems to and it seems to have been completely forgotten yeah like like glimmer too has been like on the receiving end of a lot of a lot of uh shadow weaver stuff here but like you know she's she's kind of just like letting that be water under the bridge here and it's uh... for the sake of learning magic yeah for the sake of learning magic and getting more powerful and being the most powerful and being able to like win the war and stuff and it's like again like i said last time you know road to hell and all that like she's she's got good intentions but she's really She's knocking on the door to uh, to some consequences. She's really she's really trying to get in the consequences room. Yes, certainly. Yeah, it's it's really it is really weird how quickly she warms to Shadow Weaver. It's it's uh, I mean like as we said before, she wasn't exactly she doesn't know the like full depths of it. Like Adora, I don't think Adora has really gone in depth with them. But you know, still like I said, she locked her in an electric cage and shocked her a bunch for fun yeah it's not exactly it's not exactly great but um but that's gonna do it actually for uh the bulk of it here with more mysteries uh we do have some curious catcher questions we have a bunch of questions this week uh which is good because we're gonna need to pad a bit of time since the so yeah like uh you know we a lot of the things we can discuss in the spoiler zone are going to be the main subjects of like 
the next five episodes yeah exactly exactly there's a lot of stuff we could really dig into on this one because it's it it touches on a lot of subject matter but there are better episodes to really kind of kind of dig into that stuff with so we're going to save it for that but uh don't worry we've got uh four questions for the spoiler zone that should that should give a little bit of extra material there uh, but for now, the the non-spoiler ones, first thing we've got here from Anonymous uh, says, Glimmer and Adora were fighting the entire episode and were clearly even fighting during their planned fight. But when do you think they planned this fake, very much not fake fight to happen? Was it halfway through the episode or before the episode? Um, they definitely planned it in the middle. I don't know if they planned it right after shadow weaver told them how to spring the trap because at that point the communications hub hadn't been destroyed yet so what i assume happened is after double trouble smashed the the communications hub they went to shadow weaver real quick before reconvening in the parlor and set up the trap before doing the like big ruse yeah i'm assuming something similar happened right because like during the actual like explanation of of sort of how stuff went down uh you know they're like okay so you know shadow weaver said if you want to catch a rat spring the trap etc etc and that sort of set them up to come up with like what the trap would be and everything but it's it seems likely to me that glimmer still wasn't really on board with like necessarily like catching the spy up until like the communications hub got really taken out so like that's the point probably where they actually started like really coming up with like the actual strategy and then being like okay so here's what we're gonna here's what we're gonna do yes um let's see what else we got here uh another one from an anonymous curious catcher user which mystery story was your favorite what was your favorite thing the perfuma wrote down so there are a bunch of fake titles for the mystery books was it one of them was secret of the abalone a lot, all of them are like famous mystery stories. I think I quite liked Salter Ego. I like that one a lot. Salter Ego is really good. Uh, I also super liked uh, the Pearl Who Knew Too Much. Uh, spoilers: Pearl didn't do it. Not the Pearl. It wasn't the Pearl. Um, what was the one that was riffing off of the Maltese Falcon? Oh yeah, yeah, that was um, that was the one the. Uh, the like bright moon guard was really excited about like the maltese otter i think yes it was the maltese otter yeah and marista is just like oh that one was so predictable um let's see uh oh also favorite thing the perfume wrote down oh yes uh definitely definitely the little um like lounging flower person uh but if we're talking about text probably like remember to scowl yeah, remember to scowl is really good because she would be the kind of person who would have to rem- like actively remember to scowl. It just <laughs> yeah. simply doesn't come naturally to her. Just it's listen, it's bad for it's bad for your your face. You know, you're gonna get wrinkles that way. She she spends so much time on her skincare. You gotta you gotta make sure that you don't you don't mess that up. So when we mid record, we got another curious cat from Nixconia. Um, with some double trouble factoids, seemingly. Oh, that's exciting. Did you know for some reason that uh, Flutterina has a birthday date? I was looking around the, the, the Princesses of Power Wiki, and I went to Flutterina's page for no particular reason and saw the date, May 17th, a Taurus, if either of you are interested in astrology. I have no idea what Taurus 
Wait, what, wait, do they even have astrology on Etheria? They don't have, like... Well, yeah, they haven't had stars for so long. They can't have they astrology. Couldn't. They haven't had stars for a thousand years. It's all about the moons. They have moonmancy. They, it's all about the movements of the moons. Um, I was pretty shocked, considering that Double Trouble doesn't have a birth date. Also, I went through looking through Flutterin's trivia section and found some facts, which I found weird. Uh, number one, Jacob Tobias said their headcanon is a double trouble sent Flutterina on a scavenger hunt with a super great sparkly prize at the end. And added that there was no prize and Flutterina is still looking. God. This could explain Flutterina's absence in season five. That's pretty good. I like that a lot. That's very funny. <laughs> if we are, if we are to take, make the assumption that Flutterina was a real person and that, uh, double trouble stole their identity instead of making it up. I still think they made it up. However, this is extremely funny. Yeah, that is actually really funny. Just this, like, just this seven year old running around trying to, trying to find the super secret mystery prize. While all the stuff in season five is happening. <laughs> Extremely good. Um, and two, additionally, in the same AMA, they guessed that Flutterina was one of the students in Double Trouble's theater classes. So a Double Trouble has a theater class? That just makes them appear, appear more wholesome than what we see in the series, which I am here for. Huh. I would, I mean, that makes perfect sense to me that Double Trouble has some kind of theater class. Yeah, they're definitely Shakespeareanly trained. You know, they they've got they've got some they've got some chops. And of course, they would they want they they want to spread the 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 great craft to all of these Philistines occupying these the, the Etheria. Like, come on, people. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, also, uh, they say that another thing in one of the screenshots of Princess Prom is that a character uh, is there that looks an awful lot like Flutterina. And uh, apparently we also see a double trouble there uh, a few shots uh, prior to that. And they ask, uh, could this be an indication that Flutterina is in fact real? I feel like I, I would want to go back and like find those those scenes. That would require so like that is a where's Waldo proposition right there. Because there's so many background characters in uh, in Princess Prom. Like I, I just opened it up right now and I'm just scrolling through it and man. Yeah, these are these are dense crowds and everyone's got like a design. Yeah, like everybody has a design. Yeah, I still think I feel like I feel like Princess Prom is one of those ones where like everybody on the crew got to like make their own like princesses of power OC and just kind of put them in. Oh, for sure. They're all they everyone's sonas are in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, we we will we will eventually go through here and and find uh, if those two are in the background somewhere because I would definitely buy it at that point in production. I'm sure that they already had uh, the character designs for both Flutterina and Double Trouble like at least started. So yeah, I would assume that uh, they could have just thrown those in there. So maybe they are like concept art uh, Double Trouble and Flutterina. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's it's hard to say. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to go back and like double check that. Uh, if we find something, we'll we'll like post it to the Twitter or something. Yes. But yeah, so so uh, thank you for sending those in. Um, then uh, we also have uh, an email from Jennifer. More mystery related quick questions. Uh, apparently, 
uh, unable to uh, get them through to Curious Cat for whatever reason. Curious Cat is kind of buggy. I don't really know what the deal with that is. Uh, so yeah, if you ever have issues with that, feel free to send an email. Just sort of like, you know, say it's for like whatever specific episode. Yeah, and then we will read it in that episode. So we've got uh, a few numbered questions here. We already answered one. What was your favorite mystery story? I already said mine was... Uh, I said Salter... That's right. Salter Ego. That's a great one. It's pretty good. Uh, the second thing is... Oh, also... Uh, also, the we also answered this one, which is what favorite thing uh, Perfume wrote down on our notepad. The third thing is... Uh, what do you think Spinnerella and Atossa were doing for their date night? See, the, thi- the thing is, I am I am so convinced this was like the, the formal wear, the bouquet, the like very awkwardly staring at each other like violinist and like like butler or like like sommelier or, or whatever like they have the little wine towel this is their reception they got interrupted during i d- they're they're definitely married before the show though that is the main issue with this oh that's like, true uh they have always they've been married the whole time they've had the the necklace thing um this is probably a date, like a very romantic, you know, just a private date. They, they were in and out of a whole restaurant or something, um, which explains why there's the violinist and the waiter there. Yeah, that's what I would assume was the date. Yeah, so it, it, probably not their wedding, probably like a, and maybe it, it, it was their anniversary. Oh, oh my God. It probably was like their anniversary. They're just like, they're having a really, really fancy like amazing dinner and everything and then <laughs> bright moon cards just sort of storm in and like hey the queen says you gotta come over real quick even glimmer was it or was it mermista she was the one who was pulling everyone in there like oh my god uh uh what was it number four glimmer laughed at adora in front of shadow weaver this is before they planned the quote-unquote fake fight with shadow weaver I just wanted to point that out because it was a really low blow on Glimmer's part. Yeah, we discussed that. Yeah, we just we just talked about that. It's it's it sucks. It's like, it's like, uh, Glimmer taken in too easily. Yeah, really. By Shadow Weaver's tricks. Like, come on now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the last one we also discussed: Adora is bad at act- known to be bad at acting. That wasn't acting. No, I yeah. agree. It's like I think I think she's not she's not lying when she says like it was really hard don't ask me to do that again like she was acting like she was but like again like you were saying it's sort of one of those things like adora probably has an easier time acting when she only has to do like four percent of the effort and just have the rest of it be her real emotions yeah um and the last two of these are going to be in the spoiler zone. Yes. So, yeah, that's going to do it for the, the pre-spoiler zone uh, questions and stuff here. But uh, before we head on over, you know, we have to do the typical plugs here. Uh, and one of them is that we, in fact, have a Patreon. Patreon. That's right. You know, we uh, we got a Patreon over at patreon.com slash pot of power where we have all sorts of fun content up on offer for just the low, low price of $3. We have the Kipo and Owl casts, two sideshows where we are watching uh, Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts and the Owl House semi-blind uh, every two weeks. 
Yes, they're they're a fun time. We're actually recording another episode of the Owlcast that should be up on Sunday. So when you're listening to this, probably tomorrow. And you know, we're coming up on the uh, barrier of Owl House episodes. I think there's like 18 out or something. We're, we're getting up there. So whenever we run out, if they don't start making them again, if they don't start putting them out, I'll, uh, I'll we'll put up a Patreon poll to see what you guys want us to watch next. I'm, I've already thought of a couple of options. Yeah, we'll put up a poll. We'll see we'll see where we end up at uh, with all that. Uh, we also have a few other things on offer. Uh, we got uh, the Watchtower, which is sort of a fan content aggregate situation where we kind of take a look at some stuff and throw it into a video podcast with uh, with AMVs and art and all kinds of fun stuff. We recorded, uh, yeah, that, we recorded that one just last week, and this month's theme uh, every month has a has a theme based around a ship. And this month's was Glimidora. Yes, it was. It's going to be a pretty fun one. Uh, that should be up, like, uh, before the end of the month, probably, probably like the last day of the month, actually. They take a little bit of time to edit, but, uh, but yeah, that'll be up uh, shortly here. Uh, we also do She Riffs, which is, uh, again, another once-a-month uh, treat where we kind of watch an episode of the 1980s She-Ra and just kind of riff over it and, and have a fun time. This month we watched the uh, original Flutterina episode, the origin of Flutterina. It is kind of weird. It's a little bit weird. There's some like Zordon stuff going on with Light Hope. She's like in a cocoon. It's a whole thing. But uh, but yeah, if you if you want to get access to any of that fun stuff, just three dollars over at the patreon.com slash pot of power. And in addition to all of that, you also get shout outs in every episode. Correct. So thank you to our Force Captain level patrons, Ashley, Kyra Williams, Mabel Mabel, Ryan Kuhn, Jennifer Jones, Jess Pumphrey, Leon Lay, Sean Montgomery, Jack Onoro, Olivia, Andres Lozano, Brittany Ray, Michael Steinert, Tara Stark, TCO, Brennan Fitzgerald, Tobu, Emma Grossman, Robert Harris, and Danielle Dupont. Thank you. Thank you very much. Your support always means the world to us, and we're we're really happy to like be here and provide you guys with with hours and hours of excellent content. That's right. Pod of Power uh, or at Podcast Power on Twitter, where you can find you know our question posts when we when I, when when post them. Uh, we got a Gmail Pod of Power uh, Gmail doc, uh, Wow potofpower at gmail.com that is how email addresses are formatted um and also you know might as well plug the other show i'm on which is uh disney minus it is a podcast where we just uh me and a couple other people just watch stuff that is on disney plus um because if the mouse is going to subsume us all and and sort of consume everything like a uh horrible void might as well watch some of the stuff on it Next, uh, next up is Treasure Planet. That one's actually not bad. That's like a, it's not good, but it's not bad. Treasure Planet is a very interesting movie, and I'll ha- I think I'll have a lot of good things to say about it. It is a weird movie, um, and of course, the latest episode was on Artemis Fowl. So if you want to hear me go and, and you know get really mad about a movie <laughs> that is very bad, if, if um, you want to experience the pain that is Mulch Diggums, uh, Josh Gad's Mulch Diggums, then. You know, uh, find it. Yep, you can you can find all that over at Disney Minus Pod on Twitter. Um, but yeah, that 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 is uh, it for the plugs. 
Yes, and that is it for the for this section of the podcast. So if you're uh, heading out, we'll see you later. But if you're joining us, we'll see you on the other side. Like we said, we don't, we can't talk about anything in this episode. All of the Glimmadora stuff is going to like continue to spin outwards in literally the next episode. Like, yeah, is one of the big moments. And, you know, obviously the, the episode called Fractures. Yeah, Fractures is a big deal. Like, like, there, like so much of what gets like really just put out in the open like all like the cards are laid on the table here there's there's still a whole deck of cards that is just waiting to be thrown directly uh into our laps here so we just got to keep mum on on that stuff for now so we have stuff to talk about later and similar to that we can't talk about any of the stuff going on with the horde because yeah yet again next episode exactly exactly but we will get there for now though we do have a few more questions uh, that we'll try and uh, we'll try and go through here. Try and try and get a little bit a uh, little bit detail with them. So there's there's a little bit to listen to here on the other side of the uh, of the fancy audio break. So start with curious cat. Um, we got anonymous who asks, uh, when do you think Glimmer and the Princess Alliance was able to switch Double Trouble to their side? Did they offer DT a lot of money? I assume it was just a lot of money. Yeah. Like, they probably switched DT over during the events of Beast Island and Destiny Part 1, because Double Trouble just, like, escaped, quote-unquote, escapes off-screen. So I'm sure Glimmer just walked in uh, with, like, a huge cart of cartoonishly large jewelry, and Double Trouble just said, well, I'll do whatever you want. Yeah, like, Bright Moon is very clearly a pretty wealthy nation, as far as that's concerned on on Etheria, like, we don't really have, like, a good sense of, like, how even the economy operates for the Horde or for the, like, independent nations in the Alliance. But, like, Bright Moon's got some fancy stuff, so they, they've, they've certainly got a little bit of, uh, of change to, to throw around. That said, though, I don't necessarily think money was the only thing here, like... Double Trouble got compromised, obviously, you know, so that's, like, a big part of, you know, incentive to kind of switch sides. But also, like, the thing about Double Trouble is they're risk-averse. They're not, they're not here to actually do any real fighting if they can help it. They're an actor, you know, they're, they're here to make some bank and they're here to, you know, ply their craft, but they're not here to actually, like, fight in a war i mean that's a little bit too messy so you know whoever happens to be the winning side well that's probably who they're gonna go hang out with yeah they say as much at the end of the season they're like well hey listen i i pick the winning side and clearly the winds were shifting once that super weapon was revealed like one yeah. listen one side has a planet nuke the other doesn't and i think i know 
which one I'm gonna choose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just sort of, uh, sort of a fair weather friend, uh, they tend to be. Which that kind of neatly leads us into the other Curious Cat question here. Yes, by, uh, Curious Catcher user Angry Cat Noises, appropriately. Uh, and they say, hey, everyone seems to love DT, but I find narcissistic people without moral compasses really scary. The only reason DT somewhat redeemed themselves in the end is because Horde Prime is too strong and needed no allies. Uh, otherwise, DT would totally be on board as they did for Catra and Hordak. So creepy. I I don't know that I necessarily think that they're like narcissistic or anything, or like they're completely well, without. Okay, well they're they're listen they're they're self absorbed. I don't think that's the same thing as being a narcissist. Yeah. They are def- they are definitely they definitely have a huge ego. I don't think they have no moral compass. Yeah. I just think it's very light. It's very it's very light. This is this is a compass very easily influenced by by outside influences here. I mean, they are right. The only reason that like they stopped throwing in with the galactic horde was because there's no drama there. All of the horde clones are completely expressionless and don't appreciate like a good joke or anything yeah exactly like i, I mean because because here's the thing right so like i don't think it was entirely that i think like obviously there's the fact that the galactic horde doesn't really have like any interest in hiring people that aren't horde clones uh they're not really interested in like really like utilizing assets on any individual planet because you know Hort prime doesn't care you know he's got 10 trillion of those he doesn't really think that any individual planet's assets matter all that much yeah this is not the empire right this is not darth vader hiring boba fett and all his stupid idiot friends to find han solo he doesn't need to do that he has a quadrillion robots and a quadrillion clones and he can just do whatever he wants yeah he's he's sort of like he's not He's only exaggerating a little bit when he describes himself as all-powerful because, like, he might not be all-powerful, but, like, he does have the weight behind him of, like, the biggest nation ever. So it's, that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of weight behind your words. Yeah, I think Double Trouble is is fully motivated pretty much by self-interest and by... Uh, attention from others yes and as it turns out the the it's really not in their self-interest to throw in with a team that is basically going to remove like any chance of them being able to like continue to apply their craft or like do anything really like I, I can't imagine that a planet under galactic horde control has a lot of love for the arts yeah, like Horde Prime himself clearly uh, appreciates, you know, sterile surfaces and calm atmospheres. You know, he, he reserves all facial expressions for himself. This man, if he had his way, would turn the entire universe into a bed, bath, and beyond, which, uh, which I mean, he certainly has attempted to do, it seems. Yes, but yeah, that, that, that's double trouble. I, I would not go so harshly on DT. They are certainly a scoundrel and a rogue, but I would not say that they have no moral compass. Yeah, and I think there's like, we'll, we'll, we'll get there, like we'll get there, so I don't want to like over speak without necessarily like having the 
the scene in front of me, but I'm pretty sure that they talk about, like, having, like, an amount of, like, a change of heart. Like, they do have, like, some, like, moral culpability here. Like, they, they do they do kind of, you know, say, like, oh, you know, like, I I, I wanted to, to be, like, at least a bit helpful here. Like, like they, this isn't entirely just to benefit themselves 100%. Well, I've watched those episodes recently with a friend. Uh, they don't. Do they not? That is not true. Okay. No, they they even in Perils of Peekaboo, they they are still like, well, all that stuff with Catcher fell through, so I needed a new gig, and the horror didn't work out, so I figured I'd just become this like hermit nobody knew about and make my own character, basically. Okay. Okay. Well, it's it's like they don't re- they never really apologize for anything, which I like. I think DT is fine just the way they are. Yeah, I do kind of like the fact that they're just kind of unapologetically like self-centered in that way. I've, it's 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 a nice change of pace, I think. There is more depth to DT though that we'll get to in the finale. Yes. So we got these two questions remaining from Jennifer here. Yes, and uh, and these and these are sort of they kind of lead into each other. So this the first one is um, now moving on to Katra. She destroys Selenius in this episode. In season five, she never has a confrontation with Mermista. What do you think about the way this plotline works out? Well, to be f- no. to be fair, yeah, I was about now now t- now technically now technically <laughs> she didn't do anything. She just stood there and watched it happen. Yeah, no, she. It's the, it's the Darth Vader effect, like I said. Where in the original trilogy, he never actually like did anything. He just stood around while horrible things happened and didn't yeah, stop them. Yeah, like. For for all of, like, the stuff they have Hordak do with, you know, like, with, like, the Scorpion Kingdom and with and with everything else, you know, like, they, they, they get, they, they get him, they get him pretty into, like, Anakin Skywalker territory here, but Katra firmly stays in the I only technically murdered one person territory. Yes, and it technically wasn't murder. And to be fair, Marissa does have a moment about Hordak. We're like, hey, wait a minute. That is true. Hold up. I, I feel like she should have had a little bit more of a reaction well, it, than that. But, they, but they, they she does time. question. That's true. They didn't have time. It was like the last 30 seconds of the last episode of yeah, the show. They didn't have time. In a, they were all like kind of riding high on having just obliterated horde prime um and so i'm sure she would have had more to say after that initial thing but everyone she didn't want to like kill the mood it's like i'll i'll talk about this later yeah yeah we'll figure this one out later yeah there's there's only so much you can fit into the show right like it's understandable but you know hopefully i i i would really like to see in the supposed movie or like a comic or just some kind of expanded content that that digs a little bit deeper into those kind of things like into the the emotions of like you know how does Mermista feel about Hordak kind of being okay now considering that he is responsible for destroying her home you know like stuff like that would be interesting stuff to kind of get into but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see if that ever kind of comes up in the future. That leads into the set, the last question here, though. How many inhabitants of Selenius died? That is sort of a question. This this is like, this is, again, it's sort of similar to the Scorpion Kingdom thing, wherein they don't actually show anybody being, like, 
actively harmed. So one thing that is interesting to mention about Selenius, when we are introduced to it in season one, it's abandoned because everyone is worried about the Seagate. If you'll remember, literally there's only one guy in the palace uh, in that first episode of Selenius. Oh yeah, that's right. Cause, cause yeah, they were, they were worried about it, but then, but the thing is then it got fixed. We never see anyone go back to it. That is true. It is possible that there was actually no one there. That is, that is possible. So it's like, it's hard to say now. The answer is one guy. The answer is that butler. <laughs> How many people died? Did that butler died? Yeah, probably. I don't know. It's like, it's genuinely, it's hard to say, right? Like, at absolute best, nobody died and the city got raised to the ground and the gate is gone, but like nobody's dead. But probably, probably some people died. It's it's hard to say how many or, or who it was, but yeah. Now, now let's be clear. I'm not downplaying the human cost of, of Hordak's campaign here because literally the next episode, like the cold open is them uh, saving a bunch of sea elves, quote-unquote, from uh, another attack by Hordak. Yeah. So I can assume that they are sort of a suburb of Selenius? Yeah, like one of those, like, sub-towns, just sort of like the nearby ports that, that kind of connect to Selenius to the mainland. So we do see people being endangered by the, the Horde uh, advancement, but Selenius is kind of a weird one because we just never, like... We don't really see any of the other kingdoms. We get a glimpse of um, Perfumas. Like, we, we, we get to see the people who live there. Um, and so when we see Selenius, everyone is gone. We never, ever see the Kingdom of Snows, pretty much. Um, I'm not entirely sure where Spinnerella and Natasa are from. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of, like, just geography and, like, where people are from that's just like not super clear but i literally don't know where they live yeah it's there. there's a lot of stuff like that like just background information that's just not super clear like defined by the by the material so yeah it's it's it's, it's hard to say um we we do actually speaking of the scorpion kingdom actually uh tobu also sent uh some thoughts about uh, the Scorpion Kingdom. This will be this will be kind of the last one uh, we get into here, and uh, and they have to say, "Hey, you two, I really I really enjoyed your thoughts on Scorpius family, and I wanted to point out something that's occurred to me. Uh, as we get more of Hordak's backstory, we learn that he was sent on a suicide mission by Horde Prime and fell through a portal. He crashed on a theory with nothing but his broken ship, and then he recreated the Horde from scratch as well as he could with the available resources in this new quote unquote backwater environment." How did one injured clone with a broken ship manage to raise himself an army? Here's my thought. Yes, Scorpius early memories are spotty and warped uh, by Horde propaganda, but I actually believe her when she says that Hordak crash-landed in her family's backyard and her grandfather made some sort of deal with him, which didn't work out. The Black Garnet is an electric runestone, yeah, what if Scorpius' grandfather thought Hordak's nifty outer space technology would be a great asset? Maybe it seemed like a solid plan to let this Hordak person take charge of their army, equipped with fancy armor, and start annexing other nearby settlements 
uh, right up until the coup happened and his baby granddaughter became a hostage. He was forced to surrender the Black Garnet and then vanish in some uh, TVY7 appropriate way. <laughs> uh. it's, it's pretty good. Um, uh, not to get all victim blaming here, it's still a vile betrayal on Hordak's part, but I think maybe Scorpius' grandfather realized too late that it's never a good gamble to trust a mysterious colonizer who seems helpless and clueless and offers you incredible gifts of technology. He'd just love to help you conquer those jerks next door. Surely he'd never throw you under the bus. Yeah, I... That is, I think... See, the, it's so hard to, like, analyze what happened because we literally don't know anything. Yeah. Like, we don't know anything about Scorpius' grandfather. Clearly, the Scorpion Kingdom wasn't well-liked, I think. They were never a part of... Well, of course they were never a part of the original Princess Alliance because they were wrapped up in the Horde. But, like, I think it would it would be a fair reading to say maybe that is what happened. And that then Hordak just turned the tables and, and like, flipped them. Because I did forget, yeah, the Black Garnet is the electric runestone. Yeah, that is that is true. That is true. And the Black Garnet is, like, plugged into the actual, like, building that it's, that it's uh, a part of. So, you know, maybe that's, like, providing some sort of power and stuff. I don't know. It's... I, I think the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. Like, I feel like probably... Hordak had um, some distinct advantages and some distinct leverage on his side and used it to kind of build up a little bit uh, and then kind of uh, took over. That does that does seem pretty likely, right? Like it is it is sort of a uh, it is sort of a, a parallel there, right? You get the the colonizer who shows up who seems, uh, you know, oh, it's just like one guy and. He's just got some. He's, he's re, he looks real messed up. He looks hurt. He's Why hurt. Just... And he's just got and he's got some fancy cool stuff he could give us. Oh, I bet that'll be great. And then just turns out, uh, turns out he just really wants to to kill and take over everything. Yep. Uh, that is. This is why I want the like Hordak, Scorpia Mermista movie where they just have to go deal with all this. This is what I want. Yeah, I I, I think some some expanded universe stuff would actually be pretty cool. Uh, I would I would love to like actually like crack into some of the implications here and kind of go through some of this stuff. But yeah, very, very interesting points here. Also, there's a PS here. Um, I get very sad whenever I see those early childhood keepsakes in Scorpius' bedroom. I wonder what kind soul made sure that the baby princess got to keep a few favorite toys and a photo of her mother's when she was handed over to the Horde. That's, yeah, it's, it is, it is really sad. It's like, this was pre-Shadow Weaver, so I don't know who would, but presumably what, like, that may have been, like, some sort of stipulation on the, on, like, the, the parents, the grandparents' part to make sure that, like, you know, she got to keep a little something. Yeah, it's, it's not really characters, like, the only force captain that i de- we definitely know was around when catra and adora were growing up which is also when scorpio would have been growing up is octavia um the, the the fish lady oh yeah that's true yeah she would have been around right what about the uh what about the blue spiky guy i think it was i like that blue spiky guy i think that was him yeah it was the blue spiky guy there we go it definitely wasn't the dwarf dude that dude 
I don't know. Well, the, the guy who got uh, his his brain liquefied by Swift Wind. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't him. Uh, maybe it was. It him. Oh, maybe it was the big Rogelio we saw in the Portal episode. That one Force Captain that we never see. Oh yeah, the really big guy. Could have been. Could have been. Either way, yeah, it's a nice touch. And you know, all has got me thinking. If you want to see a piece of media that deals a lot with a former tyrant faced with the consequences of their actions. Go and check out the the More Than Meets the Eye uh, comic run from 2012 to 2018. Yeah, we we brought that up before actually a few a few episodes ago. It's I have not gotten around to reading it yet, but uh, but there's some stuff in there that I understand is pretty solid when it comes to like uh, Megatron and all the stuff that that guy's responsible for because. Uh, if you, th- if you think Hordak is bad, his crimes are much more explicit than Hordak's are, and they do an incredible job. We threading that needle of like you buy him as a character going through this. It's great. Everyone should go and check that out, just because it's also the best uh, the best Transformers media ever made, and that's that's easy. That's that's easy. That's an easy number one. Sounds pretty cool. Um, but that is gonna do it uh, for us this week. Uh, still crack the hour mark, so that's pretty good. I'm excited about next week. Oh yes, I I am too. It's gonna be a really good one. I'm excited for the rest of the season, honestly. Like we've got so much ahead of us. It's all bangers uh, from here on out for the rest of the season. Next week, Boys' Night Out, a great, wonderful episode with a whole. It's very fun. Yeah, Seahawks, like, Swift, like Seahawks. <laughs> If you, <laughs> you like, like Seahawks, Seahawk, this is this is the episode for you. Seahawk, Swiftwind, Bo, Rock remixes of Sea Shanties. Yeah, the t- the TF2 achievement sound is just in there for no reason. Adore and Glimmer's friendship continuing to crumble into the ocean. You know, all sorts of fun stuff like that. Yes, um, but we we will get there uh, next week. Oh, and the week after that is also a fun episode here. That's a fun one, right? There, lots of uh, the goof and a half that episode. Oh yeah, that's that's just a that's just a fun romp. Nothing, no, no, a lark. No bad things happening here. What a, what a lark! What a what a oh boy! What a lighthearted episode that is. That's gonna be a fun. We get to meet our old friend uh, Light Hope again. She comes back, and it's great. Not it's, it's wonderful. That's gonna be a long one. I feel like hero. Oh yes, that that one's gonna be a. Uh, it's gonna be quite a quite a fun one. But yeah, that that will do it for this week. So I've been one of your hosts, Jane. I've been your other host, Nero. And we'll see you on the other side of Podcast Bondos.